When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order. Covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Hey, Horror Movie Night. We've got another bonus episode here live at Fantastic Fest, and I'm sitting with Joe of Vinegar Syndrome. Hello. So you guys actually had a, uh, a pseudo premiere, I guess you could say, with Tammy and the T-Rex uh, playing this week. Can you tell me a little bit about how you guys got your hands on this amazing, gory cut of this kind of bad PG-13 movie from the 90s? I don't think it's a bad movie. I think that if you uh, go into it with the understanding that everyone involved with its creation knew exactly what they were making, it's very effective for accurately executing a movie of that type. I agree. So I watched, I wasn't here in time to see the actual screening, but they put it up on the, the press room screening section. And... I watched it the other day as soon as I saw it was available because I've been wanting to see it for years. And it's it's got all the makings of one of those perfect midnight movies. Like, it's it's one that I think will be screened at a lot of theaters over the years because it has all the things that you look for in, like, one of those memorably gory, fun movies. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's one of the... So, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase the uh, the origins of it 
through uh, what Brett Bird told me and then pick it up with where I got involved. So Brett is uh, one of the people at AGFA, American Genre Film Archive, and they handle our, all of our theatrical distribution. And uh, the so my first exposure to the movie came at an event that Brett did a couple years ago in LA uh, called The Five Minutes Game. Uh, which is basically a video version of the Alamo Real One parties where you watch the first five minutes of 15 movies and then everyone has a ballot and vote for your favorites. Okay. So Tammy won that event and I thought the first five minutes were completely insufferable. Yeah, it's so the worst I, part of the movie. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> um, so... I did not vote for it, and I was like annoyed that it won. I was ready to leave, and Brett said, "No, stay for this. I think you you might actually get something out of it." Uh, so I did, and basically the part that it started to warm me over was when Paul Walker gets mauled, uh, and it wasn't because of like you know this was the 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 PG-13 version, so it wasn't because it was particularly violent or anything like that, but... It's just so insanely left field. Yeah, at at that moment, it sort of dawned on me, like, okay, this movie has so far felt like the sort of garbage that Nickelodeon and the Disney Channel churned out around this time that I wasn't interested in then and I'm not interested in now. And then when it started to, like, get genuinely mean and have this sort of undercurrent of nastiness, I, I became intrigued, because that's much more of my, my speed when it comes to movies. So I watched the rest of it, and it was good, but it felt like something was off about it. So afterwards, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he mentioned in passing, you know, there's supposedly a longer version that has like 10 minutes of additional gore and killings. And so that got me intrigued. And uh, I, wa- or I very easily found a copy of that extended, or not extended, it was the original cut actually, yeah. uh, but that original cut. And that made me, uh, that, that won me over. So <laughs> seeing it as like this mean-spirited and it really kind of is mean-spirited it, it's very uh, it feels like a Frank Henenlotter movie at a lot of points like it's got like a little yeah. bit of that Frankenhooker like it's fun but what's happening is actually very mean-spirited throughout yeah and, and I, I was fascinated by this juxtaposition of family film structure and gore yeah and how it never stops feeling like a kid's film even when the gore happens and and that's something very distinctive like you know there's a bunch of sleazy family films and things like that but they never go so far in terms of the crassness or the violence and this film managed to achieve both that level of like this is a bizarrely sleazy children's movie but it's also not yeah. because it has all of these patently exploitation elements, both in terms of the violence and like the sexual humor and the overall uh, implied raunch factor. Uh, so basically from that, uh, to cut this rant short, <laughs> uh, 
a film collector friend of mine, uh, a few months later after I hit a brick wall trying to figure out the rights, alerted me to some material that he had come across, uh, which reignited my interest in it. And at that point, I, hap- I, I just mentioned it to uh, a guy who I've uh, worked with who's done broadcast sales. And he said, oh, I used to rep that film in the 90s. Okay. <laughs> so it turned out totally coincidentally that this guy who I've been working with for years knew the owner. Yeah. So that it, it opened up pretty, the doors. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was pretty simple from there. But in terms of before that screening where I saw it, uh, the screening that Brett did that I saw that, uh, apparently this has a history with the Alamo where uh, this guy named Zach had been recommended the movie by a friend of his who apparently was so drunk at the time he later on did not remember recommending the movie (laughs) and had never even seen the movie he just seen a trailer for it (laughs) so Zach recommended it to people at AGFA and the video department and then they ended up playing it at the draft house chain for their video vortex event again this is all team cut yeah and it was apparently the most successful and popular video vortex in the history of the series so that was what brought it to Brett's attention. So it's like all very interwoven, yeah. like a lot of, you know, everyone being in the right place at the right time or just saying something that spurs someone else to do it. Like if Zane's friend hadn't been drunk, yeah. he wouldn't have recommended him to Zane. If Brett hadn't been involved with Draft House, he probably would have never heard of it. If I hadn't been at the screening because I knew Brett, I probably would have never seen it. If my friend John hadn't also been at the screening and noted that there was a gore cut, I wouldn't have probably pursued it. And I probably wouldn't have any idea who owned it still if I didn't happen to have already coincidentally known the former agent. Yeah, it's so, so it's, wild. It's all very serendipitous. But it's such a perfect Vinegar Syndrome film Like at the I same hope. time. Because I think, I, I mean, I'm going to make an assumption here, but I'm going to guess that you kind of feel in the same vein that you know we have a bunch of these different um companies that are putting out these blu-rays of of films from the past and each one has their own special niche and i feel like vinegar syndrome definitely is to me if i'm looking for something that's a little bit more exploitative a little bit more kind of in your face and and you know, infamous, I guess is the word I'm looking for. You're kind of the company for that. You kind of look for those those films that fall into that kind of category of uh, infamously known as being a little bit more shocking and, and uh, pushing the boundaries a little bit more. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever thought uh, in terms of acquisitions. Uh, like, I, I, I'm not trying to be shocking or boundary pushing per se in terms of what I acquire it just happens to be a reflection in part because I'm not the only person who ever suggests films or or buys films for the company but uh, a lot of what we put out is somewhat of a reflection of my cinematic sensibilities okay so it, it, it always kind of surprises me when people talk about the films that we've released as well, in the terms that you're describing them in, because to me, they're not that shocking. I mean, I, I guess perhaps that speaks to the, uh, the jadedness of my sensibilities, but uh, I, I've, I just want to be entertained and engaged. And I can 
enjoy a slow, talky character study with no exploitation elements just as much as a complete, like, trash fest. As long as there, there, there's something in these films that captures you. Okay. I mean, in terms of the audience, I think that the majority of our customer base wants things that are more absurd, over-the-top, uh, sleazy, perhaps, violent. But I don't think that necessarily makes a film better. It, 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 can, it needs it, to be a good movie still. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's plenty of films that are not good movies where some aspect of them, whether it's like good special effects or just like a weird plot or something like that, can elevate them and make them more intriguing and engaging than they deserve to be. Because beyond those handful of exploitation elements, they're just dull. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I've tried to straddle that middle road, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that everything that we put out is good because it's a bunch of titles that I am genuinely embarrassed to have been associated <laughs> with. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, I, I'm, I, I feel like the mantra of the company is and always has been, even as we, like, evolve and, and, and find different trends for what people actually want to see and therefore acquire films accordingly, because that's also a consideration no matter what. You know, there's plenty of great movies that I would love to put out that I know no one would ever buy. Yeah. And then there's plenty of shitty movies that I have no interest in but putting out, but I know they'll sell, so I'm kind of stuck, like, you know, the one for me, two for them yeah. sensibilities no, sometimes. But that's, you know, you get your own little victories in that one for me, two for them, because sure. you get the one for you every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the majority of what we've released, because it... it it's all the goal of the company has always been to basically place all types of film on an equal platform. Okay. Like we're not saying that this is highbrow, this is lowbrow, this is good, this is bad. I don't believe in irony. I don't believe in like a so bad it's good mentality. If you're entertained, if you're engaged, if you're enjoying yourself, even if it's technically not well structured or well made, it can't be bad because yeah. you're engaged. So one last question for you is uh, I feel like with pretty much anybody in the distribution game, uh, I find that there's at least one title that they adore that they feel like doesn't get enough love on their, on their table. Do you have a title that, you know, if someone came up and said, what do you suggest that you would push pretty hard because you love it and you feel like no one's really giving it the, the attention that it deserves? Uh, there's a, a bunch like that, sadly. <laughs> I, I would say perhaps for the last calendar year or so, a film that I really love that got a, you know, people who like it, who've seen it tend to like it, but uh, has not gotten the level of uh, views that I think it deserves is a shot. Okay. It's a film made for about ten to fifteen thousand dollars by University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. Uh, students, and despite its very low budget, it's an extremely ambitious, like both technically, structurally, and, and uh, in terms of locations and just like the level of expertise being demonstrated for a first-time effort. Uh, that's basically a French Connection-inspired French New Wave okay. 
hybrid. Uh, so lots of meandering, semi-improvised seeming dialogue sequences interspersed with very well choreographed chase sequences and loads of helicopter shots and so on. Uh, it's a fascinating film. It barely got released uh, on video, never came out on disc, and the director had the negative sitting in his closet for decades, never made another film. Jesus, okay. Well, guys, go hit up Vinegar Syndrome. Definitely get your pre-order of Tammy and the T-Rex, but while you're checking out, maybe click Shot as well. Grab a copy of that. Thank you so much, Joe, for your time. Yeah, happy to do it. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 